0: Hi, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Gene Poole, and there's a little Gene Poole in all of us. I'm here today with uh, one of my good friends, Ty Hansen, and uh, he's an amazing musician and Chicago spirit. Um, he's been such a great friend of me. Uh, I'm wearing a shirt well, let me just get started here. I'm wearing this beautiful flowered shirt, and uh, I complimented him one day at Simon's Tavern about this shirt, and he literally took the shirt off his back and gave it to me. <laughs> so um, we're going to be discussing some of uh, Ty Hansen's career uh, highlights, lowlights, <laughs> He's been uh, in the music industry for many years, playing drums, trombone, trumpet for some people, such as uh, that guy, Frank Sinatra, um, the Jackson Five, um, just BB King, many other people. And not only that, he's been a band leader and uh, just an amazing musical force. And we're about to get to understand some of that. Ty Hansen, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me. And uh, the reason I've reached certain pinnacles of music and life itself is because of my lovely wife and best friend sitting to your right. Uh, She's um, been a great force in my success. I can't say enough good things about her. I can say a few bad things too. But anyway, we won't do that. (laughs) But she has absolutely been part of the rock of my whole existence. And other than that, uh, I would say that I think I overstayed or overplayed my um, drumming career because one reason is that age has a tendency to take over after a while. And so many um uh, nights of instead of going to bed getting home when the sun comes up or going down as it were take their take their toll and i stopped playing when i was 70 and i'm now 76 and it's been a wonderful ride all the way
0: one thing that you told me uh i think it was yesterday that i found very interesting is that um you were when you were coming up you one of your uh band leaders said to you that uh you can learn something from everyone remember that oh yes he said uh, you can learn something for everyone
1: for regardless to how uh, well they play or how badly they play you can learn either what to do for the people who play very well, or for the people who play badly? You learn not to do that, <laughs> you know. and you try to copy them, but that's all. You can always learn something from everybody, yeah. and that has been sort of my um, my philosophy throughout my music career.
0: When you were uh, like, let's just pick one of these, like BB B. King. You played with him uh, in shows or on TV or shows. Mm-hmm.
1: At the time, um, their blues was kind of like uh, just coming back from a long drought from the 30s uh, when you had people like Robert Johnson uh, playing blues. He was um, one of the people that were more or less a hallmark of the blues. B.B. Uh, King, I played with him for about a year. That's because I took a hiatus from college for a while. <laughs> It's either that or they're gonna put me out. So anyway, <laughs> um I play with him and I've never worked for a nicer person as a band leader and he <clears throat> other than my band director, he was a very very, very gracious and talented man. But uh he was he treated you as if instead of being a cog in the wheel, he treated you as if you were family. And that's where we were. I mean, you guys at the time, traveling what they call the Chitlin Circuit, uh, for those who don't know what the Chitlin Circuit is, that is uh, playing uh, jug joints, that's what they were. They weren't uh, auditoriums. Rarely did we play in auditoriums. They were mostly jug joints. Uh, and they were mostly the they call the Cotton Curtain as well as the Chitlin Circuit. Um, uh, places like uh, starting from Washington, uh, eh, not so much Washington, D.C., but uh, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, particularly Tennessee because P.B. B. King is from uh, Mississippi and uh he played from um and that's what he played uh a lot in memphis the reason he got a j- got job started in in memphis because he was a dj and people uh his name is what's his name uh Riley King I think he has another name I can't remember what it is but anyway they call him bb King, and that was because on his show. He was known as Blues Boy King. That's where the BB comes from.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
1: And uh, he he was like I said, he was quite the gentleman, very gracious, very kind. And when you like I said, you were on a bus. I played with him three hundred and fifty five straight days, uh, and this is when you traveling at. Uh, Chitlin Circuit or the Cotton Circuit and that was because uh, there weren't in a lot of these towns there wasn't accommodations for uh, hotels where uh, black people could stay Uh, one of the funniest things I ever saw not funny but ironic I guess I should say was the fact that the first time I had ever seen a gas station that had you know you see uh white only bathroom facilities and you see colored facilities and that was very common throughout the south but um that was the first time i had ever seen this was in mississippi a gas station with uh a colored pump <laughs> There were two pumps, one regular, one Ethel. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. That's and so uh, it was, uh, my being with him um, was quite an education uh, in itself about the human endeavor. It was the things that I've seen. Uh, just, you know, you should, why am I here on earth? <laughs> you know, maybe I should pack up and go somewhere else. I said, but where, you know? <laughs> and uh, it was... And I said, well, why don't you go to California? I said, well, actually, there are more Jim Crow laws on the book in California than there are any other state. Really?
0: Wow. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. So uh, I said, nah, not, but I did get a chance to live out in California for a while, but uh, that was
0: mm-hmm. anyway. Now change
1: the subject, here. yeah <laughs> it's change gear no so
0: here. so you came up in Arkansas as a young pup, you're like fifteen, you' started playing N- drums i no, I went to Arkansas, well, I went on a vacation
1: with my parents, uh my two sisters, and we went for a vacation, and I was somewhat um unhappy being in that environment. And I was doing very poorly in school because I was just, my mind was all over the place.
0: I'm I'm just, I won't belabor this point, but I'm interested in how who encouraged you to be a musician early on.
1: Well, I think the fact that uh, my mother, my biological mother, was a jazz singer. And I got a chance to be at an early age around musicians now. And I just, you know, put, caught my ear. I guess you could say, rather than my eye, was the fact that uh, I saw a lot of musicians came by the the house when I was living with my mother, and um, and I just you know so I said, if I ever get an opportunity, I'm going to play play the drums. I was 12 then, and then I went to this uh, went to Carver Elementary School in El Dorado, Arkansas, and they um. Mr. Brewster, who was the band director, he went around to all the elementary schools, which were, I think, at the time, three of them. And he would come once a week. You could do one or two things. He gave everybody a pair of drumsticks who wanted to play drums or thought they wanted to play drums. And for those people who wanted to play a wind instrument, he had some old Army Surplus bugles, plastic ones. And I enough for a class, you know, and he, he uh, gave everybody a plastic mouthpiece to go with that. And so whether you wanted to play clarinet or saxophone, or the, you got the bugle, you know, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's how I got started. Yeah. And you had to write a short essay on why you wanted to play the instrument or um, that you wanted to play. So, uh, so I said my great aunt was a... Um, business teacher in the local high school, and she let me use her typewriter, so I would in my infinite wisdom and skills one finger one note one um at a time I'd hunt and peck and I type my letter and he was very impressed with that I would take the time out too. He said very good, and he said not only that, it's very well written he said you're grass of the English language is uh I said I didn't tell him that uh my mother helped me. <laughs> she So did. go ahead.
0: Well, um so then boom like 5 6 years later you're a professional musician how did that happen? No, it was sooner than that. Uh when I was
1: in um I started out on the drums and then uh I continued playing but for Christmas my Mother sent me a drum set after uh, uh, I wrote four thousand seven hundred eighty-two letters with a picture of a drum set that I had drawn. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "I got to get this kid a drum yes. set. He's going bust." <laughs> so um, I was a, I was fifteen, and I had had the drum set for my four. Yeah, I got it when I was fourteen, and I played. You know. And he said, um, why don't you bring your drum set to school one day? I said, no, I asked him because I'd rather keep it here because my dr- grandfather was driving me crazy, you know, especially when he <laughs> k- got loaded, you know. He said, get that noise out of here. <laughs> and so uh, I took school, and I I would stay after band rehearsal and practice even longer So on, on my drums. Uh-huh. so. And he heard me, you know, he said, well, by the time I got 15, he said, uh, how would you like to play with my band? I said, I said, you're kidding me. He said, no, I'm serious. He said, I'll, he, I said, but I don't know, he's, I don't know anything. He said, well, you know enough to get started, and I'll help you along the way. Because he would play drums also. As a matter of fact, quite well. Mm. Along with other 200 other instruments that he could play, you mm-hmm. know. Um. So that's how it started, and I was 15 years old, and I it, when I joined the band, I thought I was king of the road. <laughs> you know, I was just oh man, and you know, <laughs> then I started smoking, <laughs> start drinking beer. <laughs> well, but uh, I came by that honestly because my grandfather used to be a bootleg. But anyway,
0: uh, I digress. Um, that's how it happened. That was, so. Uh, he let you join his band mm-hmm. and um what was your first first like i don't uh what was your first big gig with uh s- s- you know one of these famous people that you played with
1: that would be uh
0: bb B. king mm-hmm.
1: and well that had one other uh I only, his name was big joe turner uh uh-huh. as a matter of fact, Joe Turner uh played with uh sang for a number of years with um Count Basie. Mm. And uh I think that was but that 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 was that gig was related to Mr. Brewster's band. It's, they were called uh Howard Lee and the House Rockers. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily uh, something that you would want to see on yeah. a bus going slow by you, you know. Yeah. But it's it was uh it was quite an education because these guys in the band including Mr. Bruce's wife, she played uh, upright bass or acoustic bass. Mm. And he played trumpet. And then uh, there was Howard Lee, who was the named leader of the group. He played piano. And uh, there was uh, Sonny Johnson, who was also band director. And then there was uh, Doc McElroy. Mm. Now, these men had all played with people like uh, Jimmy Lunsford, Howard Lee, because he was the oldest member of the group, he played with Chick Webb. You know these these names are synonymous with uh, Chick Webb. Was a great drummer. Mm -hmm. And what did he? uh, He had that, fun of. Spina bifida, and he died like about at thirty seven or something like that. Really? Yeah. As a matter of fact, Ella Fitzgerald sang with him, and she she was asked to keep the band going, but uh, she's. yeah
0: i'm so happy to have you here and and cheryl and uh i told ty earlier if if i ask you a question and you don't want to answer it you can plead the fifth (laughs) well i have already so (laughs) i've already taken care of that part
1: if something gets a little bit too dicey you know i'll I'll back away with the fifth
0: i'm just going to ask you like yes you've had many accolades many successes um and i know i'm a musician and i know uh not everything's a success some things are dismal failures (laughs) i've been through that yeah um and it's it's important to realize okay i failed at this particular gig and why did that happen was i not up to it or was it that other people were um, not receptive to what I was trying to help them with. Uh, can you cite an instance where uh, you had a bad gig or something like that? <laughs> I
1: think I'm going to give you two examples. Um, one was the one of the first few gigs that I played with Mr. Bruce or Howard Lee in the House Rockers. Um, we played at the. It was a place, another joke joint. It was kind of a big hall, and uh, Mister Brewster said, uh, "Take a solo." And I took a solo, and I thought I did quite well. And he thought I did quite well. And I, when we took a break, uh, I a drum solo or yes, drum okay, solo. okay. Um, he took, he, he said, um, I should have stayed on the stage like a good little boy should have. No, I had to go and stand at the bar. And I think it must have been about a half a dozen or more people, men particularly, came up, give this young man a shot of schnapps because you're not ready for the whiskey league yet. <laughs> So I had six shots of snaps in a, you know, I mean, within 10 minutes. Wow. And I got up. To, I, I don't know how I found my way back to the stage, but I did. And it was so embarrassing. I'm playing it. And I fell off the stool. I was done for. I mean, that was toast. That was the, one of the worst moments. Oh, that, funny. And, I, and it's really funny because the guy yeah. that th- was playing drums with the band is why they Fired him uh, because he get drunk and couldn't play,
0: yeah and
1: now here I am, this you know oh god I, I was so embarrassed i just I never lived that down either, yeah. not with uh, the band members, but within myself and, uh-huh. I, I, and I let them down, and that's um and as I got older, the thing that uh why I quit playing um was not so much because uh my skills had started to diminish
0: mm. greatly
1: and um i just I, I couldn't go from here down to here and be satisfied with what i'm doing so yeah. i just quit
0: yeah just quit okay um here's a question so you were doing, you were on that uh chitlin circuit mm-hmm. you know and there's like a book there was a book, I can't remember the name, which which cited all of the hotels and gas stations and everywhere that black mm-hmm. people could go to. Yes. Uh, anyway, but you saw all that change, you know, within your tenure as a star.
1: Uh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> or like a,
0: a lowly comet or something. <laughs> On its way no, but, down, not up. Yeah, but uh, you saw all of that change that must have been pretty relevant uh yes and well
1: i was in um my parents didn't really want me to stay and the reason why uh there was a young man that they that was lynched in mississippi um for allegedly whistling at a white girl. Mm-hmm. And um, my father and my stepmother said, you know, Ty likes the girls. You know, we, we don't want him to go down. <laughs> We'd be, dear uh, Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. <Hansen,"> you know? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. just hung your son. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, because so, the Because the first year, the first year yeah. I was there, um, yeah. They had rescinded a law that if you were on the sidewalk and you were coming down the street with just by yourself, and there was a white person coming your way, you had to get off the sidewalk oh and, and walk on walk in the street. So until you passed that oh, person, yeah. yeah. But the like I said, the year I was there, they, they rescinded that law. Oh my, so, yeah. They were getting uh, very urbanized, then. you know, <laughs> yeah or civil rights, <laughs> I don't know. But, it, you know, the, uh, the things that I did learn um, were, they, they've been invaluable lessons throughout my life, whether it was music um, or any other endeavor that I may have gone through. That, uh, I think it just made me a better person because the year that, I think that was in 1957, yes. This is when, uh, because I was in El Dorado, which is uh, about 125 miles south of Little Rock, and this was the year that they had to send in the National Guard Mm. for the uh, Little Rock 7, I think that was the number, yeah. And that was the year that uh, fall was closed, you know, stood on the, Mm -hmm. yeah. But I, you know, I didn't have any
0: problems. and had yeah. none whatsoever. Okay. Did you ever meet Miles Davis? <laughs> 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 yes, I have. Um, I met
1: Miles Davis, the first time I met him, was at the Regal Theater. And, it was, uh, and uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's quite a character, you know, and the second time I met him, was hit, he was being very belligerent about the fact that there was a, used to be a hotel on 50th on the lake was the name of it, and they tried to deny him uh, a room, and uh, for some some kind of way he got he did get the room, because he's, he's causing such a stink. And, um, but he, Miles Davis was a great musician, but he was a cantankerous, I mean, really, easy. but, you know, I, I ran into him again at a place called Flukie's in Chicago, it's on the south side. And, uh, I had a friend of mine with me, who also played trumpet, and Now, we're coming in in the front door, and he's going, coming toward the front door, and he looked around at me, he said, I got a dollar from the woman over there, see? I said, a dollar, a whole dollar? He said, yeah, I got a dollar, and I'm going to buy me some (laughs) some drinks with this, you know? (laughs) So, I'm going like, okay. He said, what's your name again now? I didn't tell him my name. I told him, I said, Ty Hansen. I said, Oh, this is my friend, Herbert Yes, we call him hubcap. He said, What why why didn't you call you hubcap? I said, Well, not because he was like Freddie Hubbard. They called him hubcap because he used to steal hubcaps. <laughs> <laughs> and um and we uh he, for some reason he just let he latched on to us. And he just, you know, just tell stories. You know, Miles is very well educated, but you wouldn't to listen to me you know his father was uh, a dentist uh and he went to juilliard uh, you know to get his uh, music education which is at the time was and still is probably one of the premier music schools in the country
0: Mm -hmm. so um okay i want to talk a little bit about um the state you were in when you met cheryl and uh, well, I tell you one thing, it wasn't on the Chitlin circuit <laughs> <laughs> No, you you told me one time that you were homeless. I was.: Yeah. C- can you talk about that a little bit? or: I'll say one thing,
1: uh, there's something I don't like to talk about, but I will say this: uh, I would probably be either dead or still homeless if it wasn't for Cheryl yeah that's the reason I'm still here, yeah and as a matter of fact, uh, and that's it, yeah I, as far as going into details okay. of um you know, you eat out of garbage cans, you you know you sleep in gangways, and yeah. it's just um
0: okay, thank you uh here's something I'd like to discuss is uh in nineteen eighty six I went to Plano, Texas, and I was in a movie by David Byrne called True Stories and I met Pop Staples and he, Pop's was one of the greatest um, loving influences in the world.
1: (laughs) You could say that Pop and B.B. King were parallel in that, that they're very, very, because I used to work out of his studio, they had a recording studio right off of a hundred and
0: Third Street, so. Dalton, Dalton, Illinois.
1: No, no, this was in Chicago. They had a, they had oh, a. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, this yep. was in Chicago. And uh, uh, then later on, I remember that one of the the son um, had a very successful. He opened up a a cabaret, real big place and mm-hmm. real nice place where w- well run until he got. As we see in the music business, got the big head, you know. <laughs> his, his, his ego just overtook everything, and um, it just went down the tubes. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But pops is uh, and his whole family, and you know Mavis. Uh, I've had a couple of gigs with her along the way, but there that, that was quite a while ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah! What a great man. Oh, he was. What a, like? I didn't know who he was. I ended up in the back seat of a car with him, and um, I showed him some of my artwork, and he was like, we stayed in touch for quite a while after we did this movie, and one time, uh, Pops asked me to write a anti-drug record. (laughs) (laughs) Not you, huh? (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. (laughs) And uh, I thought about it for like a month, and then I told him, you know, i can't do that i, I like drugs <laughs> but one time i i uh i made a suit of covered in pennies and dimes and i stood on michigan avenue and i begged for money and i was on cnn and uh pop saw it and so next time i saw him uh, or next time i talked to him on the phone he's like bill i seen you on tv <laughs>
1: that sounds like pop yeah
0: he was uh yeah he he was
1: and he was a a decent guitar player
0: yes oh yeah oh okay here's a little story about pops um he uh i saw them uh in new york city at the you know in central park oh They played and stuff and so like evidently he he played like two sets with his band and then uh he said he was going back to his hotel and um so Mavis and everybody was like where is he they couldn't find him anywhere he went and did another set somewhere (laughs) you know but he like at Blues Fest you know I I was scared to go backstage because I already met him and um but he came out he played a whole set solo and it was just wonderful what a what a great family what a great talented uh chicago one of the things that um i
1: the decline of music particularly jazz and just uh that was it was a great mecca for um music i mean uh they used to have things like jam sessions you go in you know head cutting things like they used to do in Charlie Parker's day and it, it was always a thing to cut your competitor down. Yeah. But uh, uh, after they took the Regal and raised it to make room for a parking lot, I mean, that's just, those kind of things oh, were just yeah. absolutely
0: devastating to the music scene. I have a, I have a question, sir. So you... You came up playing the drums. But how did you gravitate to playing uh, trombone and the trumpet? I don't play trumpet. I do,
1: well, I do have a trumpet. <laughs> I have a okay. trumpet and a cornet. I have two trombones, but uh, they're just lying fallow right now. They're just, did I a know, close. but
0: you, you did play these, these, I, you did play trombone with a lot of people.
1: Not a lot, not as much as you would think. You no, know? oh, okay. Uh, My trombone gigs were primarily with B.B. King and uh, Little Richard and the Jackson Five. Mm -hmm. And this is when they were living close and Gary. Yeah. And so like I told you earlier, uh, the gigs that we had with them um, were um, within a 350-mile radius out of Chicago. So you're talking about Cleveland, Mm -hmm. um, St. Louis, you know so they there was enough interest in them um coming out of uh motown and uh that's well i met them let's see cuz i i was at motown not as a musician i was a copyist
0: no kidding
1: uh, i was a copyist because uh, i had uh good uh music penmanship <laughs> so you know we didn't have computers right. uh, that could you know right. you can get a program now that um they can really uh just because a lot of my arrangements that i did for uh, my jazz band and for my um uh the band that, that whatever band i was playing with that I, something that i had written or something or arranged i would use the computer and because my lovely uh, Bride over there uh <laughs> is a com but she was my computer guru and I she could yeah, well, come go, how you <laughs> she, she got so after I learned um some you know a certain uh shall I say level a level of
0: not mastery necessarily but enough to get by. What drew you to horns though? From from the rhythm section, what drew you just, um, what drew me? You okay. just felt like you had a natural inclination for it. Um, Well, th- I was influenced by the trombone
1: player, uh, Doc McElroy, who uh, played, when I heard him play Sentimental Over You, which was made famous by Tommy Dorsey, mm. I said, God, <laughs> God, I said, man, do that. And I tried until I got out of high school. Hit that high C-sharp that he hits. Uh-huh. Never made it. And uh, But he he, cause
0: he was one of the ones that played with Jimmy Lunsford
1: and people like that, you know.
0: Uh, sir, I'd like to ask you about Snatch Incorporated. <laughs> did I ever give you,
1: I gave you a CD, didn't I?
0: Yeah, okay. no, I play it all the time. Okay. Watermelon Man. That's my jam. How did that come about? Well, uh, How did Snatch come about? Yeah.
1: Um... It's a combination or of we all the people that are in the band we have crossed paths at some other time playing with other people, playing with people that come in town either you, know, you know a rhythm section or the, mm-hmm. um we were together for a great number of years, and uh we um our goal was to go and make a, make a CD, but that was down the line. We were going to, we got a lot of notoriety out of, uh, but I, a lot of people in the band felt like the name Snatch Inc. was, let's say a bit too decadent. 'Cause there's a there are two connotations to the word snatch. Right. <laughs> so and we had we had a chance to go on um a, quite a few big somebody would hear us somewhere and um we were just tired of playing at weddings and uh bar mitzvah's and
0: so you you were a, a band leader teacher for nineteen years in 20. Chicago public schools. Oh no, longer, schools. Longer than that. Thirty-five. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. So you were doing all this other stuff, and well, I had launching a, other careers. I, I was doing a lot of <laughs> things
1: because at the time uh, I didn't work summers. I, worked, I think I worked one summer, but the, um, my principal at the time was. Um, after I had to prove myself to him, because you know, he, he was a uh, he was sh- he was also Cheryl's principal too, and we're not supposed to speak ill of the dead, so I'm going to pass by <laughs> that one, you know. Um, that's where I met Cheryl.
0: Oh, At, oh, really? at, at,
1: at the elementary school that um, we both taught, I was the band director there too. And as a teaching tool, I took the entire band, which was, uh, was I had about forty kids in the band and I took them down to his studio and we cut a 45.
0: Yeah, you've had a great run, buddy. <laughs> I I had a question for you. Is are there comparisons to music and golf? Uh yes, great deal. Can you speak about that at
1: all? Uh sure. Um to be a good golfer, I mean one of the elements you have to have solid rhythm the golf swing is based on as far as the swing itself on rhythm you thank you yeah that's what this all that's what golfing is all about it's still golfing uh as a matter of fact i'm just getting back as a matter of fact we were supposed to go the other day we were going to the driving range and uh we said well we, didn't, we weren't going today. That's what she was. I said, let's go this morning. She said, oh, you You got to be kidding me. <laughs> said, it's 200 degrees out there. You talk about going to a driving range.
0: We had talked about the Sinatra thing. Well, the Sinatra thing, well, you know, uh,
1: I was playing in, uh, in Vegas at the Circus Circus, and I, I was playing trombone at the time. And... Um, I got a call from his road um cuz they got in touch with the musician union in um Las Vegas and uh so anyway, make a long story short, it was um very much uh you go in uh Fortunately, I had a tuxedo, so that was, you know, I had all the, and I had a trombone that I hadn't sold or hock, you know, <laughs> uh, which has happened on occasion. Um, so Frank Sinatra, from what I can see, he had a tremendous rapport with his band. And one of the reasons that he had that rapport was because of the band leader, and that was Bill Miller. Bill mm-hmm. Miller was a, quite mm-hmm. a gentleman. He was the piano player also. He was the yeah. band and um, uh, as far as socializing, really, with the uh, with the uh, band after a gig, uh, uh, that didn't take place. You know, I mean, you know, he was nice. He was like a it, like kind he, he of consummate up, professional. Absolutely. If you came up to the bar and he was there, he said, "Uh, hey, give him my whatever he played." You know, uh, yeah. uh, he might not remember your name, but. I mean, especially unless you were in the rhythm section, he's very knowledgeable about the people that play in his rhythm section. You know, yeah. he felt like they were the heart, which they yeah. are. Well, so he,
0: he was kind of known for being a rhythmic lyricist. Oh, yes. Yeah. V- v-
1: yeah. Very much so. He, <laughs> people don't know this, but a lot of things that his phrasing, he's always uh, known for uh, how he, he learned those things from Tommy Dorsey. When mm. he was a boy singer with the, the Tommy Dorsey band, I had no idea. Yeah, he taught him a lot of things because uh, Tommy Dorsey was a consummate trombone player. He was. I mean, he yeah. they, I mean, even guys today. I mean, there are great trombone players. I mean, just tons of them. When mm. I was, com- there weren't that, there weren't that many, but there weren't many trombone players that were being used in. If they had three horns, they would probably use a trumpet some kind of saxophone preferably a tenor alto or baritone mm-hmm. sax and if they had a third horn it was usually
0: a trombone player cool yeah so they yeah yeah can you just uh speak a little bit about your time with the jackson 5 like you, you had a deal with um joe jackson was his name joe jackson the father
1: I'm gonna stand on the fifth on that one completely. <laughs> if you want to know about Joe Jackson, you'll have to ask someone else because I will. No, not, no but no. what
0: was, uh, uh, what was it like? Like, like, how old was Michael Jackson? When? When he, you? He came, he came out of the womb singing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and I mean he, you know, when you play with them, he was like 15 or. Oh heck, no. Okay. Oh, he was—he was not even uh, adolescent at the time. Okay, wow. Did you <laughs> did you just say like you just like pinch yourself and say like what the hell? Well, no. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, you know I I was never one to be uh, stage for. You know, if I'm playing with someone, my thing is to not be in awe. Right. It's, of course. It's. it's trying to do the best uh, job I can at that particular time.
0: Have you ever had stage fright or? Yes. What does that entail? Other than
1: dropping my drumsticks? Uh, <laughs> or the slide coming off the trombone? <laughs> or, ah, that, you know, other than that,
0: that, that's about it. My stage fright is that I won't get on stage. <laughs> I, I, I haven't been comatose yet. <laughs> no. Cheryl has put in a lifeline. <laughs> yes, yes. She says, um,
1: one thing I'd like to say before we go is that thanks much for having me on your uh, maiden voyage.: for Yeah,
0: my first ever podcast.: Yes
1: so and I appreciate you selected me, and:
0: Oh yeah, I appreciate it. so people are going to love this. Okay, I'm Gene Poole. There's a little gene Poole of all of us. This is Ty Hansen, Cheryl Hansen andy has been our producer here today and uh thank you all for stopping by our podcast i'm gonna uh close this out